need to start my time or y'all really want me to not go long, I think. Good morning, Relentless Church. How are you all? Oh, man, I am, I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Um, this, uh, this feels like home in some, some ways, even though I've never been here. Um, just because of you know, my jobs at church and then COVID and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I wish this was not the first time I've been here, but uh, it is, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. My family has been here uh, several times, my kids at least. Uh, there's been a couple times over the years where I've preached somewhere in Raleigh, and so we would come up here and stay with uh, my brother, and we'd wake up on Sunday mornings, and my kids would say, Dad, we want to go to Relentless. And that was awesome because I knew that, that they love it here, so I'm, I'm excited to be able to share that with them. Uh, I do want to say also, as David's brother, I just want to say thank you for you all to, as a church for giving him uh, this summer sabbatical. Uh, ministry is such a unique calling, um, and it, it is important to, to focus on your soul and that's difficult sometimes when you're leading others. So I, I really do appreciate you giving this gift to him this summer and to his family so that they can be healthy. I, I truly believe that, um, that there, there will be benefits reaped in his life, but also in the life of the church uh, because of this summer. Um, but this was not in my notes, uh, but I, I, I want to address something that I heard this morning uh, that was a little bit bothersome. Uh, I heard a story that my brother told that um, he eats crab legs and leaves the smell on his fingers. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows that that is a David Jones thing. That is not a Jones family thing. Like, I I've never heard of anybody doing that. I if there is somebody else here who's doing that, I think y'all should get together and start a support group because that's a problem. Like, that's, I don't understand that at all. I love crab legs. Not the smell of crab legs three hours later. Um, I'm like, that's weird. So I just want to y'all know, you're hearing from somebody this morning who washes their hands after they eat crab legs, all right? I think that's, I, I just want y'all to know that's where the word of God is coming from uh, this morning. Um, you know, I, uh, I struggled with what to talk about this morning because it's, uh, it's Father's Day, uh, it's Juneteenth, right? And so those are two things that I think there's celebration, but there's also pain. Um, a lot of us had good fathers, and a lot of us didn't have good fathers. A lot of us have great relationships with our kids, and a lot of us don't. And so there's a lot of, eh, I don't feel like celebrating that today. Uh, and then when we come to, to Juneteenth, it's, it's something that needs to be celebrated. It's something that should be celebrated, but it's also in the midst of the reality that we're not quite where God wants us to be uh, with that yet. And so there's, there's this constant, like, pulling back and forth there. And so I, I struggled with what to say what, or what to talk about. Um, I don't want to do a, a typical Father's Day message, but I, the reality is whatever your relationship with your father is, uh, men in the room, whatever relationship you may have with, with your children, we are all children of the Father. And so that's what I want to talk about today. One simple word, Abba, that's used three times in Scripture. We're going to talk about what it means for us to cry out to God and call him Abba. And I found a couple quotes as I was researching this. One, a couple weeks ago, that this one actually is the one that kind of seemed in it. All right, yeah, this is, this is what I'm going to talk about. Um, the NIV uh, Society does, uh, writes articles about Scripture, and, and one of those articles, um, the, the author wrote this. He said, in order to comprehend his, this is talking about God's, relentless tenderness and passionate love for us, we must always 
return to his Abba experience. It's talking about Jesus' Abba experience, the, the passage that we're going to talk about in Mark 14. In order to comprehend his relentless tenderness and passionate love. Relentless church. This is what y'all are based on, right? That God is relentlessly pursuing us. No matter how far we are, no matter how much we rebel, how, how much we mess up, that God is relentlessly pursuing us. And this says, and I believe this, in order to really understand this God who is relentlessly pursuing us to show us his passionate love, we have to understand what it means to cry Abba to God. Uh, there's another um, quote that I want to share with you so from a friend of mine named Chad Harrington, who I know through church planning. He's a brilliant guy. He studied languages and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, he wrote an article talking about, if you've heard this word Abba before, it's um, often translated daddy. But he wrote an article talking about how it's, it's really more than, than daddy. And he says that we must learn to pray father. That, that's from the word um, Abba. Because it is the most important word we utter when we talk to God. Unless we can say Father from our heart and mean it, then the rest of our words don't mean anything of substance, not really. So Abba gets to the heart of not being religious, but having a relationship with our Creator, Father, and understanding what that means. You know, um, I thought about not sharing any stories about my brother from, from stage uh, today. Um, the first thing he asked when I got to their house last night was, are, are you going to make me look bad tomorrow? Which made me so happy because I knew that uh, it was on his mind, right? And I, I just wanted him to kind of have to sit in that and wait and, and wonder. Um, and here's the, the awesome thing for me as a big brother. I can tell whatever stories I want to about him. Um, I was a boring kid, and I'm kind of a boring adult. He really doesn't have anything. He can't get up here when he gets back in September and like get, get this evening. He, there are a ton of stories I could tell about David. Um, I only picked a couple, though. Um, one of my favorite stories about him is when he was, um, he had just gotten his license, his junior year of high school, and uh, he, my parents decided that they were going to let him go to the county fair, just him and his friends. He was going to drive himself, not have to be dropped off or anything. And so I, I don't know if he was still like this. Uh, maybe I, I got some head nods in the first that my brother has this um, ability to, to cause problems where there's really no reason there should be a problem, right? Has anybody dealt with that with David? Like he can, he can bring drama into a situation. And so my parents said, well, we're going to trust you. We're going to let you go to the fair. I don't understand that decision, but it ended up being all right. He, he went to the fair, they got there, they got in, they, they did everything, and we don't, uh, whatever happened, uh, we didn't get any reports of that, right? And so they leave the, the fairgrounds, they walk out to their car, they all get in their cars, and everybody goes home, except for David. And I think he was supposed to be home at like 10, right? It's 10 o'clock, there's no David. It's 10.30, no David. It's 11 o'clock, no David. And me being the, the concerned, compassionate um, caring older brother, I went to bed and went to sleep. <laughs> I woke up the next day and apparently it had taken David a couple hours to get home from the fairgrounds. This is a, where we lived, where we grew up, like 10, maybe 15 minute drive home. There's like, there's two ways to get there. Like you go through a neighborhood, you hit the highway, boom, you're home. Or you go through downtown, you hit this road, boom, you're home. It's like, it's not all that complicated. But he had gotten turned around. And he drove around for two hours 
trying to figure out where he was. And the, the fairgrounds aren't in um, a neighbor, like a place where there's a lot of areas where you can just stop and, and ask for directions. And he didn't know where he was. He want to stop. And so he would just drive, hoping that he would see something that he would recognize and be able to get home. And it, it took him a while before that, before that happened. And how many um, older siblings do we have in here? Any, any older siblings, right? So y'all know how younger siblings get treated better than us, right? They get it easy. Um, so the, the, that following summer, something similar happened to me. I, was, I dropped this girl off after a date, and she lived in this neighborhood that was brand new. She lived all the way at the back. They didn't have street signs yet. And I got turned around in her, uh, her neighborhood. I was five minutes late five minutes late for my curfew that night. I got grounded for the whole summer. He was two hours late, and mom and dad said, don't do that again. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, so he, he gets up, and he's like, I want to know how I got lost. So he drives back to the area to figure out where he went wrong. And he said there was during that two hours, there was like five times that he was a block away from something that he absolutely would have recognized. A block away from the highway or a block away from a main road that he would have recognized and I would have been fine. But he felt like he was, I must be going the wrong way. So he would turn around and go this direction and he would almost get to where he was supposed to be and he'd feel like he was going the wrong way and he would turn around and go a, a different direction. You know, I say that to, you know, laugh at him partly. But also, spiritually speaking, man, I, I can identify with that so much in my relationship with Jesus. That, man, I, I think I'm following Jesus, and I, I want to be following Jesus, and I'm trying to follow Jesus, but there's this part of me that's like, Chris, are you going the absolute wrong way? And, and when I get my own thoughts, and, and I try to be comfortable, or I try to make things work by myself, I feel like what I do is I'm following Jesus and I'm like, ah, it's getting way too off the path. I need to get back to what I'm comfortable with. And I, I turn away from what Jesus has for me. And then I, Jesus will almost get me back to where I need to be. And I'm like, ah, it's a little too out there. And I'll turn up back. And, and I just end up almost being where Jesus wants me to be. I, I think if we understand this word Abba, it, it's a great guide point. It's a great anchor that will keep us where God wants us to be. And we can be in the midst of some difficult things, some tragic things, some great things, whatever life brings. And, and we can deal with those things, but not be lost. And God is not necessarily going to take struggle away from us. He's absolutely not going to take struggle away from us. But if we understand that God is Abba, we're not going to be lost. And that, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, we need to be comfortable understanding that we need God, that, that, God is, um, that God is above us and beyond us and better than us, that there is a standard there that we don't live up to. And, and one of the things I struggle with spiritually sometimes is I just don't want to accept that. I, I keep thinking that if I really serve Jesus, he'll make me so good I don't need him. And that's never going to happen. To understand God as Abba, to understand God as Father, we have to just be comfortable living in this place where we need Jesus. When I was uh, in high school, I, I played basketball for my high school. I was on the team for my high school. Uh, um, I didn't get in a lot of games. And uh, there was a, at the end of the year, we would have these student faculty games. And Obviously, the students were much better athletes, were much younger than the faculty. And every year, they would, the faculty would cheat to win the game. And they thought it was funny. The kids did not think it was funny at all. And so 
Um, I got to play in that my senior year, right? And so there's, it's already this tense situation where we feel like we're going to get cheated. And, um, there was a, one of my coaches was on that team, and I blamed him for me not getting to, to play as much as I should have. Looking back, the fact that I was small and unathletic was probably more the reason that I didn't play than, than him. But I, I didn't have that filter when I was that age. So I, I go into this game, and I'm just like already hyped up, and I just act like an absolute idiot. I mean, I'm talking trash. I'm, I'm just an absolute idiot. I should have been embarrassed, but I wasn't. Because my friends were with me on the team, right? And they're telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, this is your chance to get, like, like they're encouraging me to be an idiot. You know why? They were idiots, too. And so young people especially, like, if you want to not be an idiot, you don't hang out with idiots, all right? Because if you hang out with people who are not following Jesus, guess what? They're going to lead you to do things that Jesus doesn't want you to do. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to be around people that are following Jesus. That's just part of it. But I, I didn't do that on this day. And so I'm, I'm acting like an idiot. This is during the school day. My dad had taught at the high school where I, uh, I attended for 20 years before I started um, going there. I always tell people, that's when I started believing in prayers, when he got transferred before my freshman year. But he knew everybody at, at my high school. Uh, he was friends with a lot of the teachers. And so I didn't know this, but he had taken off work and come to watch this game. I assume thinking, hey, this is a game my son might actually play in. I'm going to go watch it. And so he, he shows up. I didn't know this. So I'm out on the court acting like an idiot. And I come off the court, and the, the door to leave the gym is here, and the stands go up here. And my dad is sitting right there where I have to walk out. And I remember looking up in the stands as I was leaving and, and making eye contact with my dad. And you know, I knew that the way I'd been acting wasn't how I was supposed to act, but, but I didn't feel bad about it because my friends were making me feel good about it. But when I made eye contact with my dad, I knew in that moment that I had not lived up to the standards that God had for me or the standards that my dad had set for me. And I, I felt that. I'd known it before, but I felt it when I, when I looked in my dad's eyes. I never had a conversation with my dad about that. He never mentioned it. We never said a word about it. But there's something about fatherhood that sets a standard when it's done right, especially when it comes to God being our father, that there's a standard that is set. Now, young people in the audience, please understand that we as dads are not going to get this right all the time. Uh, we, we want so much good for you, and we're trying to set a standard. We're not always going to get that right. But God the Father gets that right. And I think part of what we have to understand when we embrace that God is Abba is that there's, we're going to be exposed to this standard. And the fact that we don't live up to it is going to be consistently exposed. And we, we have to get comfortable in that space where, where closeness with God exposes our need for grace. I absolutely love Titus 2, 11 and 12. These are verses that I go back to often because I feel like I, I live these verses out. Um, no matter what I, I try to do, I, I come back to, I need these uh, verses and the truth that they have. It says there, uh, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God offers salvation to all people. The grace of God. Nothing else gives us access to salvation. 
I can't know enough to be saved. I can't do enough to be saved. I can't say enough to be saved. I can't give enough to be saved. I can't build enough to be saved. I can't help others enough to be saved. I can't pray enough. I can't sing enough. There's nothing I can do to be saved outside of the grace of God. If you took all of my goodness and put it on a scale, and on the other side put all the times that I've fallen short of the standard of God that he set, There is nothing that I can put on that scale that balances the times that I've fallen short. There's nothing that I can offer that balances that. The only way that that scale is balanced is by the blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ, and the grace that he gives me. It is by grace that God has appeared and he offers salvation to all people. It is grace that gives us access to God. It is grace that allows out in my brokenness, Abba, Father, I need you. There's nothing else that is the gospel besides grace. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just grace that gives us salvation. It says it, and that's talking, that's referring back to the grace of God, that it, grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the way that I stop being that 18-year-old idiot on the basketball court and start being the person that God intended for me to be is by embracing the grace of God. And the way that I embrace the grace of God is I have to be close to Abba, who sets the standard and lets me know that I need grace, and I can get grace, and I can come back to Him for grace over and over So there's two things that we need to consistently remember about grace. One is that we need it all the time. All the time we need grace. And the second is that God desperately wants to give us grace. That God is relentlessly working behind the scenes so that he can be in a position to show us grace. That's what he is about. That's who he is. You know, you can be honest, right? That sounds kind of miserable. To be in a relationship with somebody who's constantly reminding us how bad we are, don't don't have human relationships like that. But our relationship with God is a little bit different. We are consistently reminded that we need grace because he is consistently reminding us how much he loves us. And how much he loves us is on full display when Jesus went to the cross. But here's, I want to read in Mark 14, 36. This is where Jesus cries out, Abba, Father. And Jesus is, it's the night before he's going to be crucified. He's going to the garden to pray because he knows that he's getting ready to get arrested. And he's going to be um, put on trial. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be beat. And then he's going to be um, murdered on the cross for my sins. So before he does that, he knows that this is the plan, but before he does this, he goes to the garden and he he prays this prayer. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what what I will, but what you will. That word Abba, both those words mean father. Abba is often translated daddy, but there's more to it than that. The second one is a more uh, formal word for father. Daddy, Father. But bound up in that word Father is is not just a close relationship. It's not, it it is that. It is this this pure, close, relational um, thing that that, that a little kid cries out to Daddy. But it's not, Daddy, I want this toy at Walmart. Daddy, I'm thirsty. It's not that. It It is, Daddy, I trust you. The, my friend Chad, who I, I, 
read the quote from earlier, had a chance to go to Israel uh, several years ago. And he, he tells a story there. of um, He was in this pub- public space, and he sees a, a Jewish father talking to an elementary age son. And something had happened, and this dad was going through a teachable moment, and Chad got to overhear it. And part of what the dad said, and it, it was, um, Chad knows uh, all the, the biblical languages, and he said it was interesting because this dad was mixing um, Hebrew and English as he was talking to his son. And, and he said, I want you to, when I tell you to do something, the response I want you to have is, yes, Abba. And Chad said in that moment that that, that crystallized for him because that was the best expression of what Abba really means. It, yes, it is daddy, but it is daddy, I trust you. And daddy, I will do what you tell me to. It, 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 there is obedience, there is submission that is bound up in that. And so when Jesus says Abba, he's not saying, daddy, I don't want to do this. He's saying, daddy, help me to do what you have called me to do. He's saying, Daddy, I surrender. And I know that I'm surrendering not from a place where giving orders from on high, but you are, I'm surrendering in, in a relationship where you love me and you know me. How many of y'all have ever had God say something to you or, or lead you where you knew that I, I need to do this? I need to stop doing this. I need to start doing this. I need to make some change in my life. And in your soul, in your flesh, your response was, I don't, I don't want to. I've got, a, uh, I've got three kids. My, my daughter, Gracie, is 19. I don't think I've ever had to punish her in her life. She's just a wonderful um, young lady. She's not here today, so don't tell her I said that. Um, but she was one that, like, if I just raised my voice, she would get really upset. Uh, my 17-year-old son, um, we had to punish a, a little bit more. Uh, he was a little bit more difficult, but not much. He's, like, they're both really good kids. My five-year-old is a completely different story. And nothing like causes anger to like well up in me more than when I tell my five-year-old, hey, it's time to blank. And he says, no. And he says it just like that, no. Like, you don't get to say that to me, son. No, right? But look, here's what's going on here. Jesus is talking to God and he says, God, I don't want to. So here's why I say this. Our flesh is not always going to want to do what God wants us to. And the devil's going to lie to you and say, see, you're not a real Christian. You don't want to do what Jesus said. You're not really following God. You're not worthy. You're not not really who God says you are because you don't even want to do what he says. But Jesus didn't want to do what God says and he was perfect. Here's what Jesus did in the midst of struggling with what God was calling him to, is he cried out, Abba, Daddy, I love you and I trust you and I will follow you, even when I don't want to, even when I know it's going to hurt, even when I know it's not going to be pleasant, I will follow you. That's what it means to cry, Abba. That's what it means for God to be Abba to us. It's not just to know that he loves us, but to follow, to surrender to the love that he shows us. I am a a high school Bible teacher at a a private Christian school, and a lot of our students are there for sports and different reasons, international students. And so there's a lot of kids who are really new to this Jesus thing. And um, oftentimes when I I will give them an example of what Jesus did and say, see, this is how we should live, and they're like, wait a minute. That's Jesus. Like, of course he did that good. He's Jesus. 
I'm not Jesus. I shouldn't be held to the same standard. And so I can hear them as I was preparing for this. I can hear them saying, yeah, that's Jesus. Like, it's literally the Bible says he's God's son. Of course he cries out, Abba, God. Of course he has that close relationship with God. That's not for us, though, right? Let, and the Israelites in the Old Testament, often when they came face to face with God, they would say, ooh, no, you stay over there. And I feel like sometimes we want to say, God, stay over there. Just tell me what to do, but don't come near me because you're kind of scary. But this isn't just for Jesus. This is for us. In Galatians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about how we should have the same spirit of Abba um, in our lives. We're going to look at Romans um, chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. It says there, Paul, the spirit that you received, that's talking to us as Christians, if you are a Christian, you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If you have surrendered to Jesus, right? If you are trying to walk with him, then you can cry, Abba, Father. And you know what? If you haven't surrendered to Jesus, if you don't know him as Father, he wants you to call out, Abba, Father. Because you are his child. Whether you acknowledge that or not, you are his creation and he wants nothing more than for you to, to come to an understanding that he is Abba, that he wants to love you, that he wants no grace to you. We can have that. And here's why this is so important to me. I, I grew up around religion my whole life and sometimes that skewed into legalistic religion. But I've, I've not seen legalism, I've not seen religion change people the way that I've seen love and grace change people. There was a, a young lady that came to our church when we were leading a church in Winston-Salem. And after several months, we got to, to know her story. And um, She said that, you know what, I went to a lot of different churches. And I think this is not as much about the church, but about where her heart was too. And she said, I would always go to church and I would leave feeling dirty because I knew I didn't measure up. I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew I had things in my life that I was doing that I didn't need to be doing. And I would never, I would leave church and say, I'm not going back there again because that feels horrible. She said, but when I came to church with you all, I left church knowing that I needed to change. But I left church knowing that God loved me. And it was that love that allowed me to make the changes in my life. God wants you to change. God wants you to live a holy and righteous life but he doesn't want you to do it because you're afraid of something or because you're trying to put up an act. He wants you to do that because he is your father and he loves you. And he wants our, our, our life to flow out of that. You know, one of the dumbest things that I do is that when I sin, I run away from God. Now, I'm not talking about I run away from God and that causes me to sin. That, there is some of that too. But when I sin, I avoid God. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. I don't want to listen to, to spiritual music. I don't want to be around people who would hold me accountable because I don't want to be exposed. I just want to pretend like that didn't happen. And closeness with God makes me deal with my own junk. But that's exactly what I need in those moments when I sin, when I rebel against God. I need to come back to Him. 
And I don't, I don't know why I keep getting this idea that I, that I should be anything other than a sinner saved by grace. One of my other favorite David Jones stories is uh, he, had a, he had an interesting relationship with lawnmowers when we were growing up. Um, we mowed yards in the neighborhood, and then we would take turns mowing our yard every week during the summers. And uh, my dad never bought new lawnmowers, so we always had these lawnmowers that just barely worked, kind of. And um, he, w- he would always get aggravated when the lawnmowers were broken. So one day I come home, and the lawnmower is clearly broken. There's like one of the wheels is like turned sideways. And dad is clearly upset, and David is trying to explain wh- what happened. And y'all have heard these stories, right? Like somebody's, you're riding the lawnmower, and... Um, there's something in the yard that you didn't see. There's a, there's a bush. Look, you ran over mom's favorite flower. Or there, there, you know, something that you, it just snuck up on you and you ran over it and something happened. That's not what David did. David ran, David ran into the house. <laughs> like the whole house, right? Like, and my dad's like, son, like, did you not see it? How did you run into the house? Like, it's, it's been there. It's in the same spot. Like, what happened? And David's trying to explain, like, well, you know, I just, I thought I was, I could turn, and I thought I had more time, and I was going faster, and just, like, he ran into the house. Not my favorite lawnmower story from him, though. Um, the lawnmower's had a clutch on it, so you would put the clutch in and put it into higher gear, Right? So our backyard kind of sloped down, and there was trees, a few trees in it, and then it gets into like a wooded area where there's a lot of trees, and then it goes over, like, not a cliff, but a really steep downhill, and there's all these trees. And so one day, he's, he's coming from the front yard to the backyard, going down this hill, and he puts the clutch in to put it into higher gear, and it starts going fast because it's, the clutch is in, and he doesn't know what to do. Like, just take your foot off the clutch. Or, you know, there's this thing on the other side called a brake stops it. Doesn't do that either. So he's just gaining speed at this time with his foot on the clutch, like going faster. And it's like he's, he starts having to dodge trees. And he's like Luke Skywalker on a speeder bike, like, zoom, 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 going through these trees until he hits a tree. And the front tire of the mower comes all the way off. Like the mower's here and the, the tire is over here. And now there's a three-tired uh, mower down the hill that we have to somehow get back. You know, I say that, that's funny, right? It's ridiculous. But the reality is, spiritually speaking, I do the same thing. I, I run into the house, spiritually speaking, consistently. I, I don't just do stuff that's like, well, we can understand why you made that mistake, right? No, like, it's no excuse. I just didn't do what God wanted me to. I just turned my back on what I know is true. I just didn't stand up for something in the moment that I knew I should have. I just didn't love somebody because they were difficult to love. Spiritually speaking, I think we all run into the house a lot. And here's the thing. What allows me to keep this relationship with God, knowing that I'm the idiot that keeps running into the house, is that I know when I run into the house, I can cry out, Abba. And he loves me. That I can run into the house 20 times. And the 21st time, God's never going to say, look, I fixed this thing 20 times, son. I'm done. He's there 21 times. 
121 times, a million and 21 times. God is relentlessly pursuing me to show me grace, to love me, to forgive me, and to redeem me. And without that, like without that Abba, like I, I would be so frustrated. I'd, I'd be so caught up in how I keep messing up. But I don't have to be because Abba is there to love me and to bring me back. You know, I, I want to read um, some lyrics from a song. Um, this is not equal to scripture, but I, I do want to talk about how important art is in our life, especially for the young people here. Um, you all are just all around artistic expression. And the reality is that impacts our life. If you want to follow Jesus, you need artistic expressions that lead you to Jesus, right? I'm, I'm not a um, music person. I can't sing. I like to sing. I can't sing. Um, in fact, there's a true story. Years ago, we were sitting in church, and I was really into the, the worship time. I'm standing beside my wife. And I'm on the end of the, the row, like on the right side. And uh, so I'm singing this way. She's standing right there, and she, she elbows me and says, can you, can you face that way? Because I can't worship Jesus with that in my ear. But you know what? God loves my worship, even if, if she doesn't. And it's important. We need art. Like half the Bible is poetry. Like God uses artistic expression to speak to us in a way that other things don't. And so we need that. And so you need worship songs. You need redemption stories in your life to be able to follow Jesus well. And I found this song um, last week, and I've, I've been listening to it a lot. I, I want to read these lyrics to you because it talks about what, what's really important to us. It says, I'm not here for blessings. And there's nothing wrong with God blessing you. He wants to. But are you here for Jesus or are you here for the blessing? When, you, when we understand God as Abba, we're here for, for God, not for just what it's going to get for us. I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. To call God Abba is to understand that he is the prize. That yes, he wants us to ask about um, you know, sickness and health and jobs and friends and relationships and money and all that kind of stuff. He wants us to bring all that. But the key is that are we connected to God the Father in that? I just want you. I'm sorry when I've gone through the motions. Guilty. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Guilty. I'm, take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. That's what it means to call out Abba. I'm sorry when I've come with my own agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. That's what it means to call out to God as Abba. I want to end with a, a couple of scriptures um, that just talk about why this, this matters. Um, the way that we do this is we get comfortable knowing that we need God and need God's grace, and we go to God. Why that matters is because it impacts the way we live. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 says, But now that you have uh, been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. That is where we should be going, is to holiness. The result is eternal life. 
Your life should be becoming more and more holy as you, um, as you follow Jesus. I talk a lot with my students at school about false finish lines, that we congratulate ourselves a lot of times when we didn't quite get to where God really wants us to get. Y'all are all here today on a Sunday morning. It's beautiful outside. You could be a lot of other places. It's a good thing that you're here. The question God is asking, though, is are you holy? And if you're not holy, then you need Abba. You need to call out to Abba. My guess is most people in here could say that you're good people. You're considerate and kind and help others. That's good. God wants you to do that. Are you holy? Because if you're not holy, then we need to cry out Abba to the one who is holy and make that our standard, not just being better than some, some people in our neighborhood. My guess is that a lot of you give to others and give to church, and that's good. You should do that. But are you holy? If not, crawl, call out Abba to the one who is. You can read and you can pray and you can sing and you can do all that kind of stuff, but are you holy is the standard. And we're not. And so we need to call out Abba, Father, help. Proverbs 30 verse 12 says, um, there are those who are pure in their own eyes and yet are not cleansed of their filth. Man, sometimes I, I just, I can say, look, I, God, I know why you saved me because I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Just be with all those other sinners, right? That's such a distortion of Jesus. When we are pure in our own eyes, we are dirty, dirty, dirty. And the way that we have to confront that, the way that we know that, is by being in this beautiful relationship with Abba, who reminds us that we're dirty, but reminds us that he's constantly willing to clean us. I love the lyrics in that song that we sang that said God is rebuilding everything. I don't know about here, but the hospital where we live is under construction all the time. That should be our life in Jesus. God's constantly rebuilding us. He's constantly improving on how we follow him. Hebrews 3.13 says this, Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin, the devil wants to lie to you and say you're okay. The, the, the devil wants to lie to you and say that things that God says are, are wrong are okay. But we need Abba, Father. And we need each other to follow God. We need that so that we are not hardened. Because what happens is if, if we don't embrace God as Abba, Father, and understand that we're going to be broken, and that we're broken and need grace, we become self-righteous instead of righteous. And we start thinking that, hey, people just need to be more like me, and they don't. They need to be more like Jesus. And our self-righteousness will take this beautiful story of a God who loves us and died for us and is relentlessly pursuing us with everything that he has. It'll turn that into this nasty, ugly, self-righteous religion that the world rightly rejects. And that's on us. That's a bad portrayal of Jesus that we're guilty of. But when we understand that God is Abba, we don't have to tell people that they need to be like us except for we get to say, you can be forgiven and you can be loved and you can be washed clean just like me 
Because me and you are the same. We both need Jesus. So in a world that is full of brokenness, my prayer for us is that uh, you would not fear being exposed, that you would fear being lost, and that we would cry out to Abba, who will always find us, who will always save us in the midst of everything that, uh, that we are dealing with. Abba can always lead us home, no matter how confused we are. So I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to go be children of Abba as we celebrate Father's and, and Juneteenth on this day. Let's, let's pray. Father God, you are beyond us. Um, we cannot even fathom your love for us. Lord, I, I pray that uh, we can trust it, though. I pray that embrace our role as children of a God who loves us, of a God who is um, willing to, and not just willing to, but excited to forgive us and embrace us. God, help us to, uh, to be your children, for that to be our, our name, our identity, and who we are, and help us to live out of that, knowing that we are loved, that we are forgiven, and that we are, that you want to use us to spread that message to this world. In your name, I pray these things. Amen. Thank you all. Relentless Church, you are dismissed.